0: Church, I said it last week and I'll say it again that it is really good to be back with you. Uh, it's my first opportunity to, uh, be back with you and preaching the word. It's sweet. Uh, it's sweet to come back to a church that I know has already spent time in the word together and is excited to turn again to the scriptures. It is a privilege to preach the word among you. And I want to tell you, uh, I want to, I want to say, let's open up the Bibles. Let's, Let's put our nose in the scriptures. Let's exult in the treasures that we find there. Because in the word we find the great gift of the words of God himself. It's a gift to open together in expectation of the spirit's work among us. So I would invite you to go ahead and do that. We're going to open up to the book of Acts right now. You can just go ahead and go to Acts. Find your way there. And we're going to be in a number of places in Acts this morning. Prior to the summer, we spent about six months with our nose in the book, working our way through the book of Acts in its entirety. Before we begin a new sermon series in September, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we want to spend a few Sundays here in August remembering our time in Acts. I'm going to lead us in a few themes that we saw a few questions that we had from our study in Acts, and the elders hope that by spending August together in this way, what we'll do is we'll increase in our appreciation and application of what we learned together during the course of our study in the last year. This morning, we're going to begin by considering the theme of church planting in the book of Acts. I think we'll see very quickly that the church that church planting isn't just a secondary issue or secondary theme in Acts or just one of the many endeavors of the church in the book. Instead, what we'll see is that the church is a gospel community. All right, I don't want to proceed from that quite yet. The church is a gospel community. It's a, it's a community. It's a family of adopted men and women adopted into God's household, with all the benefits of inheritors, by means of the work of Christ and his gospel. We are a gospel community. But in this age, we are a gospel community on mission. And that mission is the glory of God among all the peoples. The other day, one of my kids asked me, why do you always say peoples? People is already plural, Dad. I know. (laughs) Because you have lots of persons, who are a people, and that people have sort of an identity and a culture, and then you have a lot of those, and those are called peoples, do you see? And we want all the peoples, all of those various people groups, and all of their cultures, and all of their languages, to hear of the great glory of God in Christ and His gospel, and we want to see the church, that gospel community, Shaped that God would adopt for Himself a people out from among all those peoples. This morning we're going to read Acts chapter 6, verse 7. It's going to serve as a bit of a springboard for us this morning. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the Word of God continued to increase... And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. And you're like, that's mid sentence. I'm going to stop there because this is being said in one particular place. But that same phrase is repeated over and over again, not only in Jerusalem, where many became obedient to the faith, but also in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth until it reached my house in Evansville, Indiana. That the word of God has increased and multiplied greatly until it's come to your household and to this church. And it is continuing to bear fruit among us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have a great need of you this morning particularly. We have a need that your word would work among us. That your spirit would cause your word to meet our ears, our minds, and our hearts and bear fruit there. Lord, that you would cultivate the soil that is our lives, and you would make of us a people on mission. Thank you, Lord, for calling us your church, for planting your gospel among us, that a church would grow up, and we pray that you would show us what it is to be a people who are about that same business, the business of our Father. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'm going to offer, as we begin together, this quote from John Piper. All right, it's a bit pointed. He send, tends to say some pretty pointed things. Well, here we go. John Piper says, I think we have enough of churches being planted by means of music and drama and creative scheduling, sprightly narrative. I don't, I'm not even sure exactly what sprightly narrative is. And marketing savvy. I know what that looks like. And there are too few that are God-centered, Truth-treasuring, Bible-saturated, Christ-exalting, cross-focused, spirit-dependent, prayer-soaked, soul-winning, justice-pursuing congregations with a wartime mindset ready to lay down their lives for the salvation of the nations and the neighborhoods. There is a blood-earnest joy that sustains a church like this. And it comes only by embracing Christ crucified as our righteousness. I love the way he ends that. There is a blood earnest joy. Friends, that, that sort of church takes a, a suffering. If you're cross-focused, let's remember what happened on, on that cross. Let's remember that our Savior said that we are to take up a cross and follow After him, there is a blood earnestness. But let us also remember that the church that is being planted is itself blood-bought, and it's not bought by our blood earnestness. It's bought by his, and it belongs to him. And in our earnestness, we go out and we say, You belong to Christ, and he is to be glorified in your salvation. And there is joy as as we see people saved and churches planted among the peoples. And we say, ah, the blood of Christ worked. He did purchase the people and it, it reminds our own hearts. Oh my goodness. It really does work. It must have saved me as well. As we see the redemption of the lost, we remember that we too are redeemed. Brothers and sisters, the church John Piper describes here is the church of Acts. It's not a church that seeks to grow its institution. It's not a church that seeks to reach and expand the reach of its brand. It's a church that's seen the risen Christ. It's a church that's been transformed by the cross. It's a church that worships Christ and so shares the news of his great works. It's a church that trusts Christ and so walks in his ways. And it's a church that, that's so leveraged for the glory of God, because we've seen it. We've seen the glory of God. We've seen the testimony of his works and his words. And so leveraged for that glory that the light of Christ shines through that church into the nations and the neighborhoods. Brothers and sisters, that's what church planting is. Church planting is nothing less than the worship of God. And as we worship him, and as his reputation increases in our midst, as we hear of the greatness of his works and the exploration of the teachings, his doctrine, what is true about his gospel, that word overflows as we stand as lights in our neighborhoods and nations. What I want to do this morning is we sort of fashion the way that we'll look at Acts. I want to look at church planting in Acts by looking at the first few chapters and looking at a few verses there and seeing how church planting takes place in this book. We need to move quickly. And so, would you follow with me to the beginning of Acts? Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 begins with Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised. Acts chapter 1 In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Acts is the second book written by Luke. The first is the Gospel of Luke. It joins the other Gospels in telling the story of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so Luke is reminding the reader of Jesus. It begins with Jesus and his Gospel. After Luke writes the Gospel of Luke, he opens the book of Acts, much as much of which is about the establishment and expansion of the church. He opens Acts with the risen Christ, again addressing his disciples. Church planting begins with Christ. Essentially, college students will begin to recognize this word increasingly, it is prerequisite. You can't move on without it foundational to the story that Luke tells is the reality of Christ and his gospel. We cannot, listen, this is essential, we cannot understand the church or its mission if we do not first understand Christ and his gospel. This is the point, I think, that has been misplaced in much of recent church planting efforts. We, we get those things in the wrong order. Churches begin, I was in one church plant meeting years ago, and they kept repeating over and over, not a great deal about Jesus, but they kept saying, we're going to be the church that loves. We're going to love well. The churches that we came from, they didn't love well. We're going to love well. I'm like, there is one who has loved well, and it will not be you. The love that is well is Christ. Church planting must begin with Christ. And from him, we get a glimpse of what that love looks like. We try to walk in it. And then we quickly have to run back to that love to repent that we didn't. All the conversation tends to revolve around mission, around saving the lost, or the quickest, most efficient way to grow the church. And we do want to see the lost saved. And we do want to see the church grow, right? But the scriptures, they don't begin here. The scriptures begin with Jesus. It's from Jesus that we understand the nature of the church that he established. It's from Jesus that we understand the nature of the mission that he has given to the church. We don't get to be creative on this one. We discover it, and then we walk in it. The chant of some is, it's all about the mission. The church exists for mission. But Luke seems to suggest that it's all about the Christ And that the church exists for Christ. The church is established by Christ. And the church is established for the glory of Christ. And he's given his eternal bride a mission in this world. That even mission itself is about the Christ and not about the church. Secondly... We see in the book of Acts that Jesus has established the core of the church. At the beginning of Acts, we see a a core growing up that would become the first church plant. Acts chapter 1 verse 2 says, Until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has done the work of preparing a small band of apostles and, and other disciples He's prepared them by means of his death and his resurrection and his instruction of them. Jesus had chosen 12 to pour into over the course of three years. And at the beginning of Acts, we find them with a larger group of people, about 120 disciples all in an upper room in that first chapter of Acts. And they're waiting upon the Lord. They're seeking him as they devoted themselves to the word and prayer. Jesus had had formed a core team. I want you to see what he's done. He's gathered and he's equipped what is essentially a large core team for the establishment of the church. Consider the essential ingredients of a faithful church plant. And tell me, these are here, right here in in Acts chapter 1. Disciples together. Word and prayer foundational, being at work right there in the upper room. Shepherds for the flock that Jesus had prepared for that group of 120 and those who would come after. There was a place of gathering, and they gathered there for the word and prayer and for the proper ordering of the church, a shared conviction around the word. They were waiting upon the Lord. And friends, that is an essential ingredient of the church. Waiting upon the Lord, as we'll soon see. It's a people with a missionary impulse to make known the glory of God among the nations. And that's exactly what they do. Third, we see the Holy Spirit enables a great gospel proclamation. It is the Holy Spirit that enables any fruitful proclamation. By the time we get to verse 8, look at it with me. Follow along with me. In verse 8 it says, but w- you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, Jesus says, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What we have by the time we come to Acts chapter 2 is the disciples proclaiming the glory of God. That's what all of Acts chapter 2 is about, the, the great works of his hands they're speaking about among the people. And they're speaking about the climax of the great works of God in the person and work of Jesus with a call to repent and believe and so become together the church. You see how the Holy Spirit moves the core team from gathering in devotion and worship, which is where it must begin, a gathering in devotion and worship of people dedicated to the glory of God, how the Holy Spirit moves them then to bearing witness to the Christ in his gospel. And only then to the growth of the church through the salvation of the lost. All of those are the components of the planting of the church. And this is the gospel that they preached. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 and verse 38. There, often in my Bible, when I find a passage like this, I put a cross by it in the margin so I can find it quickly and remember the gospel when I'm flipping through my Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. The great works of God. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And Peter said to them, in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear the movement, the great works of God, climaxing in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ with a call to repentance and belief? This is church planting. A church devoted to the word and prayer is sent by the Spirit to proclaim the great works of God, literally, in Acts chapter 2, among the nations. Fourth, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have mightily established the church in worship, discipleship, and mission. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Follow along with it there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'll tell you, in some ways that sounds extraordinary. But if you pay attention to the words that are being said there, it's, it's radically ordinary. Breaking bread, attending the temple, being in homes, glad and Generous hearts praising God by grace, favor with people. And the Lord added to their number. That's one of those little phrases that we keep coming back to where the word is increasing in their midst. They have the Christ, they have word, they have prayer, they have Christ-appointed leaders, they have order, worship, fellowship, love and community and sharing. We have in the Gospel of Luke and here at the beginning of Acts how the testimony of how God established his church and the essential elements of his church are worship. And to be honest, I think these are in order. If you, if you look at the flow and the movement, there are people of worship. The church is a people who celebrate the great works of God, and that simply overflows into their community where they celebrate the great works of God. Discipleship, as they follow him in obedience, first in waiting upon him. And then, as the Spirit would work in them to go, and mission. And that's where the Spirit would send them, into mission. Fifth, apostolic witnesses go with news of this gospel and the church it establishes. Now, that's that's very intentionally put. You see, the apostles didn't just go with news of the gospel and then leave. They went with news of the gospel and the church that it establishes. That's why they left behind elders to shepherd the flock. You see the apostles doing what Jesus did and establishing court teams of people who would go on to bear witness to Christ in their community and worship the Lord God and be devoted to word and prayer and sharing with one another. You remember the commission that Jesus gave the disciples in Acts 1.8. By the time you get to Acts 9, we see this commission being fulfilled. Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. What's the church do? Walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's sweet. And as we walk in him and bear witness to him as he has sent us, the church multiplies by the grace of God. We see this pattern in the planting of the church. Everywhere the apostles go, a core team is established. These disciples with their newly appointed elders go about making the gospel known. As the marks of the church begin to grow up into maturity. And the pattern is repeated over and over again throughout the entirety of the book of Acts. So that the last words of Acts echo that refrain. Speaking of the Apostle Paul at the end of Acts, Acts 28, verses 30 through 31. He, that is Paul, lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. What was he doing? Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You see, the apostles didn't just preach the gospel. The apostles in all their missionary work and with their letters, they saw to the planting of the church. We know that Paul was writing letters, even as he was doing that off to the elders of the churches. The apostles Christ sent to preach the Gospel and to establish the church, now I want to think for a moment. what does that look like among us? We are a church plant cross point coast we 've been in this community for just a little while it 's just about seven years, and we are the church planted at cross Point Coast, among the many churches that are planted in this county and around the world. I remember the story of Acts, and then I look at our story. It would seem that our story and their story is really one and the same. Acts has 28 chapters, right? But then we pick up right where Acts ends. It might even be more accurate to say that we are the continuation of the cycle that we saw in Acts of gospel proclamation, the making of disciples, the appointment of elders, and the planting of the church, all sent by Christ and enabled by his Spirit. That we are a people who continue to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of His Spirit. We first came from a church plant. And it's good to remember this and how sweet it is to be a people who are sent. A church trained, prayed for, sent, and supported a missionary to go and make disciples in this new context of Brevard County. We are from a church plant. And we are a church plant. From the beginning, our identity and strategy is that of a core of disciples worshiping God and making known His gospel. We have sought to do what we see in Acts happening over and over again. We are a church plant. And by the grace of God, as the, the gospel was planted among us, He's grown up a church. And it's sweet to get to witness the work of God in our midst. We're growing up, we're maturing. As more are added to our number, and as we gather and raise up elders to lead us in the word and prayer, and, and households are strengthened, and, and we love one another. And as we saturate our community with a knowledge of the kingdom of God. I remember sitting down with a core team of Crosspoint Coast just six households about eight years ago, and saying, you know, what you're about to do, and what really those households had already been busy in, before we gathered together in this way, is we are entering into a decade-long work. And that work is investment in your neighbor. And we're going to invest over and over again, and then we're going to pray for, and then we're going to invest in and proclaim among our neighborhoods. And I'll tell you, we're eight years in, and we're seeing just a little bit of fruit in those places. And some of you are the fruit of that labor by the grace of God growing up among us. We are, by grace, the church. And we are a church planting church. We join in that cycle. We pray for, appoint, and send missionaries from among us to gather a core of disciples on labor for the establishment of Christ's church in new contexts among the nations and peoples. A friend just recently, my wife was telling me about a friend who was sharing about how Cross Point Coast is doing these days. And they said, well, we're growing and we're shrinking. (laughs) Well, what's that mean? We're growing, but we just keep on sending out our best. And they keep on going out and and being faithful laborers where God would send them and planting churches and being missionaries. Because that's what we are. We're a church planting church if we're the church at all. Fifth, we're a member of a diverse global family. We, like Paul at the end of his letters, have churches and pastors and partners in the gospel that we love, just to name a few. Bill Dumphy and Grace Point Church in Williamsburg. Miguel Medina, we got to meet with him in Cross Point Español in Orlando over the summer. Matt Helmenthaler in Bayfront Village Church in Palm Bay. John Menton and Grace Bible Church in East London, South Africa. Pastor Gure and Light of Grace in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. We are partners together in a diverse global family. A family that we didn't make. Not a family of our own choosing, but a family adopted. There it is. Adopted into the family of God. God our Father, Christ our brother. And so we seek to greet one another, love one another, visit one another, gather funds for one another, work together in the labor of the church and church planting. It sounds like the letters Right? It sounds like the letters of the scriptures greeting one another, trying to gather funds together, encouraging one another, going to, to meet one another, being called and said, we need to encourage it, please come. Some of these churches I just mentioned are specifically part of a network of churches called Acts 29. Hopefully you're connecting the dots. Some of you have gone to read Acts 29 to see our proof text for that network's name. Now hopefully you're seeing some of where we get it. Acts 29 as a church planting network is a diverse global family of church planting churches. I want to share with you very briefly the first and last of five distinctives of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. The first one is this We're passionate about gospel centrality. We believe the gospel is the good news of what God has graciously, graciously accomplished for sinners through the sinless life, sacrificial death, bodily resurrection of His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, namely, the forgiveness of sin and complete justification before God. You're like, oh, aren't, aren't you glad you got that definition this morning? This gospel is also the foundation for our confidence in the ultimate triumph of God's kingdom and the consummation of His purpose for all creation in the new heavens and the new earth. Because the church is established on the foundation of Christ and his gospel. It is essential that we have a clear understanding of the gospel and that it remains at the center of our focus and our proclamation and our worship and our praise and our conversation and our household readings and our prayer. The gospel is at the center. The, The last of the five distinctives is this. We embrace a missionary understanding of the local church. And its role as the primary means by which God chooses to establish his kingdom on earth. The church, they go on to say, is a clear biblical mandate to look beyond its own community to the neighborhood, the nations, and the whole, and the world as a whole. Thus, mission is not an optional program for the church, but an essential element in the identity of the church. We are called to make Christ known through the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring his lordship to bear on every dimension of life. The primary way we fulfill this mission is through the planting of churches. That plant churches and the training of their leaders. Our aim is that Jesus Christ would be more fully formed in each person through the ministry of those churches God enables to be planted around the world. Church, it goes like this. The ultimate end of the church is Sabbath rest. A rest that's been prepared for us in the consummated kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's coming. You heard of the new heavens and the new earth. As we hope in that promise, as we're comforted by the Spirit's reminder that we belong in that kingdom, we labor in this world to proclaim the good news of the King and the kingdom. And the church is planted. So this morning, I thought it's a, it's a great morning to celebrate a few things with us uh, in, in our midst. Myself and Sandy and Mark and Janice Slaydorn and, and Joel Fair had the opportunity a, a week ago to go to the global gathering of Acts 29. It was just right here in Orlando, so it was great. We didn't have to fly anywhere. Uh, we... We're able to gather with a whole group of 1,300 pastors and members of church planting leadership teams that gathered there with Acts 29. And I thought this morning would be a really good opportunity, since this is is who we are as a a network together of churches, to celebrate. And so what I want to do is I want to play a a four-minute video for you, mention a couple things to celebrate and pray for, and then enter into a time of prayer.
1: We are X-29, and so we want to see churches planted. We want to see them planted in all kinds of places for all people in all situations and circumstances. We want to serve those who plant. We want to resource those who plant. We want to help the seed become established. But what if we got to water it, nurture it, And watched with bated breath As the Lord provides the growth What if the darkness was invaded And gospel bridgeheads established Which penetrated deep into enemy terrain What if we sank wells What if we raised children Fed families Gave hope Showed joy Displayed love And watched As light was dispersed As far as the eye of faith could see What if all of this happened as churches were being planted among the whoever, wherever, and whenever? What if we got to see the unthinkable not only thought but done? What if we saw the unbelievable not merely believed but performed? What if the earth blossomed and bloomed with gospel fruit as Eden was reestablished wherever Christ's name was proclaimed? What if disciples were made as sinners were made into disciples? What if we got to see singles placed in families and the homeless find a place of refuge? What if we got to witness the hungry enjoy a banquet of grace at the table of the blessed and the thirsty guzzle at the fountain of God's free mercy? What if the sovereign Lord established a people for himself in the nooks and crannies of every community? What if he revealed his glory to them and displayed his glory through them? What if new churches were built in every existing city on earth? What if there were cities without walls and cities into which the guilty run to find refuge from the avenger and find forgiveness for their sins? What if there were cities without exploitation in which no poor could be found? For there was sweet and generous equality. What if these cities were places where the age could walk without fear and the young embraced without suspicion? Wouldn't these cities be set on a hill as we shown? like stars in a universe What if we knew nothing of geographical boundaries and cared even less about national pride? What if we heeded afresh the directives of our king and went to the nations? What if we laid our lives on a line and placed all of our resources at his disposal? What if we took our time, our money, our homes, our affections and invested them into the kingdom of God? Wouldn't there be such an eternal return on that investment? That it will fuel our joy for a million years? Wouldn't it be sweet to savor those what ifs becoming a delectable what is to the glory of God? The truth is, we are seeing churches planted, planted in all kinds of places, among all kinds of people, in all circumstances and situations. We're serving those who win, and we're resourcing them too. We are X twenty nine. This is our opportunity. This is our God-gifted moment. This is our privilege, and this is our joy.
0: Now, to be clear, Acts twenty nine is not the church, but Acts twenty nine is a means by which this church. Gets to get a glimpse of what God is doing in all of his church in this great diverse global family. Now, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, What in the world does this have to do with Cross Point Coast? Other than like that's that network that you like to hang out with, and maybe the elders went and were with. We are a part of that church. We are a part of that diverse global family. I was looking on one of the pages uh, on the annual report. Uh, That's online, and we'll link to that in the sermon notes. And I was scrolling through, and I saw a photo. And that photo just happened to be of of me in a swimming pool baptizing my son. And many of you were there. We get to be a part of that church by the grace of God. And friends, there is much to be celebrated. Just four things that I want to mention to you briefly. Uh, This year, we we're able to celebrate the coming on of the 800th church plant. I remember just a couple of years ago celebrating 500. And here we are celebrating 800 and we rejoice. And those 800 church plants are in 52 countries and in 31 languages. Do you see? That's the nations and the peoples. Over the summer, we got to celebrate with Pastor Miguel in Crosspoint Español, where yet another one of those languages. We're, we're in our midst Together, 82 churches planted in 2018. Now, if you do the math on that real quickly, you'll see that 10% of the churches in Acts 29 were planted in the last year. That means, therefore, there's a great need for prayer as the work continues. I mentioned this to you, first of all, so that we would rejoice. The, the word is continuing to increase and bear fruit. And that should encourage us not only, yeah, that's really great. I'm glad that's happening out there. It's happening in our midst because it's the same word, the same gospel. Secondly, we're going to begin to regularly update you on the work of church planting that's taking place around the world in Acts 29. We want to begin to better engage with you, the congregation, in how to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world and who we're partnering with in the same work of planting the gospel in their communities that we're about in our county. I have two prayer requests for you. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Please make note of these. First of all, Aaron Prophet at Alathia Church in Tampa. He's a close friend of the Cross Point churches. They planted five churches in the past 10 years. And they've met in a YMCA for seven years and recently were told that they're going to have to find another location by the end of the year. Friends, it's really hard to find another location for a church, especially in the the season and moment that we are in in our culture. So please pray for Aaron Prophet and Aletheia Church as they seek a place to gather. Just as the disciples found that upper room that the Lord gave to them, Aletheia would find that place to gather and worship the Lord and be devoted to word and prayer. Secondly, pray for John Menton and Grace Bible Church. We pray for them often. We will continue to pray for Grace Bible Church in East London, South Africa. Pray as Grace Bible and John seek to discover how a a small core team might gather to plant another church in that city. I would ask you to pray for these two things, for their households and the work that is taking place in these places. As we close our time in prayer, I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you remember Christ. I hope that you remember that as a redeemed people, we are Christ's church. And I hope that as we remember that we're Christ's church, that we are, by definition, a missionary people. And so let's labor to that end. Let's rejoice to that end. And let's pray to that end together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace of your gospel. I pray that even as we pray ongoingly, that we would not move on from that rejoicing. We would rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And Lord, we pray that as we rejoice in you, your gospel would bear fruit in our neighborhood, in our household, in our workplace, in our schools. Many of the students who are going off to college are going to places where international students come, and so they will be in the midst of the nations. We thank you for that. Join Joel in praying for boldness. We pray that we'd be encouraged that your word is continuing to increase and multiply in our midst. Lord, even we pray in our own hearts. We need you. I pray specifically this morning for the person who is here this morning and they're they're encouraged, they're glad, they, they know this is true and they, they do hope that you're Churches planted, but right now they need the word to penetrate their own heart for their transformation, that they would be encouraged and equipped or perhaps even repent and believe. We pray for salvation and sanctification and confidence in adoption. Thank you, Lord. We trust you for these things, for it's only from you that they would come. So we trust you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.